and hello to all of my fellow liberty-loving Americans all across the fruited plains, from sea to shining sea, in all corners of the great good old U.S. of A. Friends, welcome to the Torch Report on another wild, whimsical, wise Wednesday. Torch Report 259, the gist of generational warfare. Friends, as you know, there are longer cycles at play than just what happens today. Uh, A little screenshot here right at the top of the article of the report today uh, has Putin readies nukes to strike the West. They're 12 times more powerful than Hiroshima. He's right on the edge. It's going to happen. Complete nuclear catastrophe. At any moment, it might strike. The sky might start falling in. Who knows what the hell is going to happen? Uh, the health officials are out there telling everybody, put a mask back on because it's it, we're in a pandemic. We're not out of it yet, peasant. Uh, meanwhile, China says it's tracking. Uh, it's impossible to track the infections that are now running rampant since they let the, uh, let the virus off the leash over there. And the Wu flu runs rampant through the Chinese countryside. People in uh, China are so afraid and Petrified, terrified uh, of this uh, this invisible enemy that's now on the loose once more. That they're they're voluntarily quarantining themselves and refusing to go into public because they have been so mind melted that they can no longer see clearly. So within that context, we're not going to talk about any of that stuff today. Today we're going to take take a, a long-term perspective and and wander, friends. It's going to be a bit of a philosophical romp, a slightly different flavor, perhaps. I just, I've, I've had some really great conversations over the last couple of days, and last night in particular, just a coming together of, of minds and genuine, sincere intent and truly intellectual and lofty conversation talking about what the hell is going on and what does it mean to be a human being in today's modern uh, society, if you, if you will. You know, what, what we know is that we don't know. You know, we know that the global cabal is operating on a long-term plan. They are executing strategies that were developed decades ago, the decade of action, the decade of vaccines, you know, all of this. They're pushing for outcomes that have been sought for hundreds, if not thousands of years. And it's hard to wrap the mind around this reality. You know, secret societies and special religious sects, you know, prophecy, all of that. You know, I've got a book, a couple of books sitting in front of me here. The New World Order by Ralph Epperson really goes back, you know, a thousand years plus getting in the Illuminati and all that kind of stuff. Fascinating read. I don't know if I buy it all, but it's good stuff. Another book here is Generations, the History of America's Future uh, from 1584 to 2069, written by William Strauss and Neil Lowe. The generational warfare, the cycles of of revolution that come with the, uh, the generational predispositions, shall we say. And all of that coming to bear, along with the conversations recently had on on just kind of spilling it out here, you know, all such discussion of secret societies, special religious, you know, groups, prophecy and all, it has to be taken with a grain of salt because people believe different things and everybody believes different things with an equally unshakable conviction, right? But what we can know for sure is that The more secretive and elusive a group is with their beliefs, the more staunch their convictions are, and the more deeply embedded their ideologies become. And this this is just, uh, it's observable. It's a human thing. It becomes the catalyst, these deeply embedded ideologies and beliefs, the catalyst for long-term 
tactical actions, the strategies that are meant to achieve grandiose visions of lofty global goals. And it's spilling out in the headlines in today's political circus. But make no mistake, it's not happening by accident. What I'm saying here is, is that, yes, there are secret societies and special religious sects and prophecies and even outright cults. And these people have been meeting in the shadows and contemplating how to assert influence on society for as long as society has existed. This, my friends, is a basic manifestation of human nature. Our obsession with secrets and sacred secrets and the occult, you know, it, it inevitably weaves its way into every aspect of society, especially politics. And as a result of this basic manifestation of huge, uh, human nature, this obsession with the secret societies and all that, we end up with things like, you know, having skull and bones presidents, you know, Illuminati influencers, Club of Rome federal officials, JWs and Scottish Rite Freemasons as elected representatives, and et cetera, et cetera. It goes on. You know, people with these beliefs who are tied into these plans have, are, are in inevitably embedded in our leadership, in our, in our institution. Saying that any of this is wrong, per se, mind you. I'm, 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 I'm trying to walk a fence line here and, and remain objective as much as possible. I just want to point out that people will be people. Groups will be groups. You know, some groups are going to be more organized than other groups. And a small group of very organized people say like a secret society with a clear vision and a specific plan of action is going to have, that's been operating for a thousand years, they're going to have a much greater impact than a random gaggle of peasants. Uh, and, and, and that's just the facts, Jack. So you're out-organized, we're out-organized. And what I want to point out is that some of these groups have been organizing for a really, really long time. And we can just acknowledge that openly without having to get into the specifics of it, right? And because some of these groups have been organizing for a really, really long time, we find ourselves in this current situation, wherein a small group of sociopaths are trying to enslave humanity in a technocratic dystopian hell. You know, a great inescapable global socialist surveillance state that dictates the minutia of daily living under the threat of penalty, imprisonment, or expulsion from modern society. That's what we're up against. This small group of powerful elite have their plans to have their way with us, and the masses have only begun to be abused. Friends, what's happening now, history repeating itself, we've seen the atrocities. We've seen the unimaginable, heinous crimes against humanity play out. And you think, how could it happen to be so callous for humans to be so, so uh, callous, <laughs> evil? I don't know the word I'm looking for, you know, to, to rape and pillage the village, to, to lock people in concentration camps and conduct all this, you know, kind of cruel experiments and all that kind of stuff to try to control people. This is not new, but let's set it all aside because there is another overarching force that comes to bear on this moment, and that is the force of generational cycles. Something brought up in conversation last night was this, was this idea of, of you know, Gen Xers being the reluctant leaders, the, the door latch uh, generation and all that kind of stuff. The, the, the unique influences of people in that Gen X generation – that put us in this in-between place, you know, the impact of societal circumstance that impressed itself upon the subconscious motivations of every generation, uh, including our own, inevitably 
leads to revolution in more ways than one, not the least of which is a revolution in ways of thinking and revolution in ways of relating to life. This is, again, it's part of natural cycle. And there are forces shaping this, part of it being these, you know, the, the uh, secret societies, the religious sects and all that, but also there is the generational forces. And the question I have for you, my friends, is are you ready for a revolution? What, what, you know? Because you should be ready for a revolution because our generation has been primed for this moment in time by forces beyond our control. We're primed for this moment in time by the very fact of our uh, <laughs> existence growing up, you know, in the 80s and all that. You know, I tell my kid, you realize that when I was in high school, email and the internet did not exist. And then there's a long pause. Like, can you imagine the world without the internet and, you know, our email? I mean, holy smokes, the cool kids were faxing things back and forth. Yeah, baby. You know, uh, so all of those things coming to bear on who we are and the worldview that we have now, our generation, the Gen Xers, must rise up to the challenge of redefining what life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness will look like for generations to come. We must organize ourselves and our generation as reluctant leaders. We must organize the opposition to the antiquated idealism that seeks to impose its intolerant beliefs upon us all. That would be the progressive, academic, egghead, useful idiots who consider themselves so much better than the rest of us. And the commies who are taking over the world based on this, uh, this idealism. So, you know, we got to buckle up here. Got to roll up the sleeves. Got some work to get done. And I just want to ask you to forgive my philosophical musings here. It may seem like a bunch of fluff, uh, but, but... I'm stretching out into that fluff, grasping for a purpose here. I've been chewing on it, and I want to share with you what I'm chewing on. I want you to chew on it. Shall we ruminate together, you know, so we can we can come together and figure out how to hell uh, to get ourselves out of this mess? Now, let me ask you for your honest opinion. You know, how might we go about compelling the average Gen Xer to get off the bench and into the game? How much abuse must our generation take and get used to before we decide that enough is enough? Hey, quit pushing me around. Hey, quit poking me in the chest. Hey, quit taking my money and telling me what to do, you bully. You know, big old Uncle Sam, you're not as big and scary as you think you are. I'm not afraid of you, you know. But if if we don't do this for ourselves, stand up against the abuse, government abuse of our individual human rights, you know, if we don't do that, this generation uh, in the book Generations by Strauss and Howe, they talk about how the Gen Xers uh, learn to adapt and just to kind of accept all this kind of stuff. It's kind of a weird in between place, generationally speaking, growing up in the 80s and stuff. Uh, but if, if we can't figure out for ourselves, if we, if we don't, I'll take that back. And what am I trying to say here? If we don't find motivation and standing up for ourselves, we must now find motivation in standing up and interceding and interrupting the cycle of tyranny to secure the blessings of liberty for future generations because future generations are not going to know what it means to be free, to go outside and ride a bike without a helmet, to climb a tree just to fall out and get back up and do it all over again. And there wasn't a parent to be found. There was no cell phone. You weren't going to, you know, you, I don't know, for a lot of people, you know, you weren't in town. Their town was, you know, 10 miles away, no chance of hell you know so you're really living on the edge living on the edge just can't help yourself from falling okay uh the gist in the nutshell is this you know the old guard 
is getting old. You know, hello, Joe Biden. How about Bernie? Boy, are you feeling the burn for Bernie? Because that's just what we need as another senile old, you know, sock puppet socialist, you know, windbag, you know, ah, old rich white guy. Anyway, you know, the old guard is getting old and they failed to protect we the people, to protect the rights of the people, to protect the ways of the people from the ideological subversion of the zealots. These zealots with their secret societies and their cult-like obsessions have long been planning to rule the world and they have nearly pulled it off. It is only now in this moment of great awakening that our in-between generation can fully begin to appreciate the role of bridging the old world with the new. You know, the, the age of, of people who never will never know what it was like to not have the internet. Uh, to, you see what I'm saying? Just like standing in this gap. There's no going back. You know, we can't go back to Nintendo and Duck Hunt. You know, it is time to let go, but it would be foolish in this in this this transition here and this inevitable change. It would be foolish to toss the baby out with the bathwater. Not all traditions are bad. It would be foolish to uproot cultural tradition entirely. It would be foolish to succumb to the fanatical whims of sociopaths who have amassed great wealth, power and influence in their ideological crusade against the way things were that would be the older generation okay the radicals they're they're still fighting for the revolution well guess what the revolution is here the revolution is us we the people wake it up and say hey wait a minute piss off you don't have the right to make the rules and do all this kind of stuff there's value in the past you can't just say uh you know to hell with the american way death of the american dream you can't just burn my flag and and bring the whole you know burn the country down go to hell you know i'll fight i'll fight you for that I'll fight for the right to be, to say, I'm proud to be an American where at least I know I'm free. And I'm not going to forget the men who died for me. And I know there are many, many men and women who have died to protect the American way of life. We're not going to forget all of that. Not just going to give it up. Okay. I understand things aren't going to go back to the way they were, but the American way is still the American way. Grit, tenacity, determination, live and let live. You know, give me liberty or give me death, live free or die. All of that. The battle cry of the American spirit is the battle cry of the human spirit. And that is something that's worth fighting for and preserving. There is value in the past because those who forget history are destined to repeat it, as they say. And right now, as they are actively working to to rewrite history, to do away with history, just like in you know Orwellian time, you know uh, George Orwell, nineteen eighty four. Yeah, some great quippy quote quote about that. I'm gonna, I can't remember right a second. <laughs> anyway, pardon me. Uh, we've seen all of this before, as far as history repeating itself, but this time. It's history repeating itself with a 21st century twist, like sentinel surveillance and weaponized AI. And that's what makes this such an edgy and almost seemingly lost cause. You know, the, the classic uh, David Worth's Goliath that we were talking about the other day. Now, you know, preserving freedom for future generations. Yes, we need to do that. Now, the old generations would tell us that freedom, selfish freedom, is what caused this mess and caused the the escalation of inequality and all that crap, you know, and that centralized control is the only solution to the mess that's caused by liberty. And the young who are still foolish enough to believe these ideological zealots, you know, they're going to go along with it because they've been conditioned to believe this in, in you know, institutional conditioning through public education, etc. But we know better friends we know better
And it does not matter what issue they use to divide and conquer us. It doesn't matter. You pick any issue. It could be, uh, uh, let's say, abortion rights or environmental, this and that, or whatever, social justice stuff, diversity, equity, inclusion, LGBTQ, blah, 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 blah. It doesn't matter what cause they push to incite the riot. What matters is why, why they are inciting the riot. Why are the older generations of the Klaus Schwabi Schwabs and the Joe Bidens and the George Bushes and the Jeffrey Epsteins and the Nancy Pelosi's, why are they systematically destroying all aspects of existing society? And I think that you know the answer. If you've been with me for a while, for sure that you do. They're doing this to drive their own ideals, to fundamentally transform the world into their idealistic utopian dream they call future Earth. What they really want, no matter how they sell it, is they want control, complete and unfettered, unadulterated control, power, more power. <sighs> Believing that they know what is best for everyone else on the planet. They believe that the ends justify the means. They believe their victory is inevitable. They believe that they are morally and intellectually superior to we ignorant peasants. They believe that they've got it dialed, friends. They believe that all the pieces are in place, and this is the moment they've been waiting for. They've been working toward it for decades, and now, now nothing can stop them. They must win in order to save us from ourselves. They have to save the planet or else we're all going to perish. You know, they have to keep people safe. They have to liberate the children from their oppressive families. They have to liberate families from the oppressive traditions. They have to liberate traditions from the cultures that have enshrined them for generations. In other words, friends, they have to convince the masses. These sociopathic tyrants have to convince the masses to reject the very reality that surrounds them in order to embrace the idealism of a great socialist state. But I, I, I have a different idea. And I'm sure you do too. And I wish this could be a, <laughs> a two-way conversation because I'd love to hear what you say and uh, would have to say about all this. This is the kind of conversation um, that can lead to illumination. But my idea is this. Let's rise up. Let's rise up and be heard. Let's stand up and be accounted for. We've been called the silent generation. We've been called the lost generation, the hapless, hopeless generation, the generation of drifters and grifters and misfits who have more or less been left to figure out life on our own. What is our place in the world? I'm trying to find my place in this world. You know, we see the folly of the older generation and the foolishness of the younger. And make no mistake, friends, we see our own folly and foolishness as well. Yet we also see the wisdom. We see the wisdom of the days of gone past. We, the wisdom of letting kids ride bike without a helmet, for example. We see the wisdom in the adaptation to modern innovations brought forth by the younger generations. I mean, we need to learn to adapt to technology. The AI is not going away. So we stand in this place in between. We see, we see there has to be a better way. We have to draw upon the wisdom, the collective wisdom that has been handed down to us from prior generations and the, the innate wisdom of those who are coming up in a world that was been completely irrecognizable, inimaginable Jetson stuff just a couple of generations ago. Okay. So <laughs> bear with me. We're going to go a little bit long here today, friends. You know, the, the, 
I think that our generation, the Gen Xers, are less likely to be members of secret societies or religious sects. The uh, we're, we're quick to reject the kumbaya of collective fantasies being projected by all these kids, these millennials and Gen Yers who, who have yet to face the full harshness of reality because they're living in their damn basement, privileged and entitled, pecking away at their keyboard with their sense of smug moral superiority on their social justice path, war path, you know? That's what we're up against. But these kids know no better because they've been conditioned. They've been victimized. I almost feel bad for them. They've been preyed upon by these sociopathic leaders of the older generations, the Clintons at L, who are uh, they're still using the useful idiots, the the impressionable youth to take over the world. They're targeting them increasingly with the adaptation agenda and all that. OK, uh, more than I get into right the sick. But we. Our generation, my generation, we stand distinctly separate from each of these older and younger generations. We stand intermingled with and bridging, bridging the gap between these interlocking fallacies, the way that it was and the way that they think things should be. No, 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 friends. We have to reconcile to reality. The world is not perfect. It never has been. It never will be, which is why the idealism of the 60s that gave us, that gave birth to the Clintons and the Obamas of today, you know, we have to they, – they realize the world's not perfect. They thought they're going to go fix it, and they have this idea about how they're going to fix it, and they've convinced all the youth how they're going to fix it. But it's never going to be perfect, which is why this perennial call for social revolution, when we've got to save the planet, all of this is nothing less than socialist, Marxist, communist revolution. It's, it's regurgitated, regressive, progressive agenda, regardless of what they call it. It's gained traction amongst the youth of today because these youth also see the problems of the world. But they're seeing it only in the way that they've been trained to perceive the problem. And yet in between, you know, pragmatically speaking, standing in the gap between these two generations, this great disconnect, we can see the problem from both angles, multiple problems from multiple angles. And, and for all of the infinite complexities of these societal problems, we also see that there are simple solutions to the issue of an overbearing, corrupt political class, which, by the way, mirrors the generational struggle of boomers against their own overbearing parents. This issue of corrupt, an overbearing, corrupt political class, we offer the simple solution of peaceful noncompliance. Rules for thee, but not for me? Yeah, okay, whatever. We're over that. So piss off. Again, you know, you can make the rules. Don't mean I have to follow them. You know, and to the issue of of great global social challenges, collective challenges like climate change and the never ending endemic pandemics. You know, we offer for this the simple solution of local control, which may come as a sobering dose of reality for the useful idiots who actually believe that some unelected group of bureaucrats in some distant land have any sort of authority to rule our lives. Plenty of people believe that we have to help them see that that is simply not true. This authority does not exist despite what they claim. They can only try to convince you that it exists, but I'm not buying that, you know? And it's easy to prove that this authority does not exist. We can prove this fact, but to do so requires breaking the rules, castigating political correctness and petty politeness, shattering social norms, and getting back to basic instinct. The irrefutable proof of individual autonomy and self-sovereignty, the very substance and foundation of self-governance, is best understood, to the best of my understanding, from a biological basis. Rights? 
rules, restrictions, you know, oh yeah, says who? Go ahead and try to put a mask on my face. If you think somebody has the right to do that, go ahead and try. Go ahead and try to stick a needle on my arm. If you think the government has the right to stick a needle on people's arm, come try. Try to prevent me from caring for a loved one or gathering with my friends and family. Whatever might be made, whatever effort might be made to forcefully impose some arbitrary sense of power and authority over me, you know, even as just a mere ignorant peasant, you know, this, this attempt to forcefully restrict my life is going to be met with an instinctual urge to resist and resist we must to rebel, to fight back and to reestablish some mutual Respect. We're both human beings. So who the hell do you think you are, Mr. Tyrant trying to take over the world? And to the petty tyrants at the local level who are all puffed up and high on their sense of importance and who are pompously trying to do the bidding of these elite sociopaths, I say, do you really want to do this? Do you really want to be the enforcer of a tyrannical impulse? Because I have to ask you, do you think it's worth getting punched in the nose? Somebody once said, you, you can wave your fists. You have the right to wave your fists in the air, but your right to wave your fists in the air stops at the end of my nose. And I thought, really, take one step closer here. And let me show you that that right is an illusion. Step back, friends. Let's reconcile to reality. Empathy unlocks the answers. We have to agree to disagree. Yes, we have to work together. Yes, we have to find solutions to common problems. Yes, we have some challenges to overcome. But here's the thing. The solutions being presented are as foolish as the problems they are purportedly solving at this point. There is a fundamental disconnect that happens when we as a society disagree on what the underlying problem is. Are we faced with an institutional problem? Is it a political problem, an environmental problem? Friends, is it possible it's just a mental problem? problem, a psychosis. The case could be made for any of these answers, but at its root, the source of all these problems is human nature. Institutions come and go, as do political norms and processes and regimes throughout time. Nature itself ebbs and flows from one environmental stream to the other, from one ice age to a fully tropical planet before plunging back into cold again. What I'm trying to do here is zoom way out to the macro level. We have to keep things in perspective. There are things in motion that we cannot stop, but we can get ahead of it if we can get our heads together and wrapped around the solution. That freedom, you know, wrapped around the reality that freedom is the most good for the most people. But then again, friends, we are just a speck, just a pale blue dot, as Bob Saget so famously said. Our lifetimes are but an instant in the geological time, you know, span of time. Our lives are but a blooming flower and our generations are a mere season of change. Which reminds me of a poem. Going very long today, I'm going to share with you a poem I wrote driving through the desert one time in, uh, where the heck was I at? Southwest Utah. And the geological strata and the, and the differential erosion just gripped me and I ripped off to the side of the road and whipped out my, my journal, my notepad, wrote it out as a transient time. Layers of change create and destroy two sides of the same. Transient time, layers of change, create and destroy two sides of the same. Change, my friends, is inevitable. And change creates things and it destroys things. But this too shall pass, this transitory moment in time. But within this moment in time lies an opportunity, a great opportunity to grasp the fullness of being alive, of being human being, to embrace the nature of being free and independent in our soul, to assert the primal human 
human urge to live free or die and fight to the death to protect this right, not just for ourselves, but for future generations. Future generations. Friends, we have to remind people what it means to be free, and we have to help them fall in love with freedom once more. And that is the calling of our generation. And it is the message of my heart, friends. Will our reluctant leaders heed the call? Will we rise? Only time will tell, friends, and that is the message of my heart for today. If you're enjoying this podcast, please do me the great honor. Take the time, click the heart, give me some love, subscribe if you have not subscribed already, and above all else, please share this podcast with a friend. Friends, thank you for being uh, graceful, sticking with me today here on a long philosophical romp. Get out there and embrace this wild, whimsical Wednesday. Stay wise, friends, and I'll look forward to talking to you again soon.